Again, it's good to be in the Lord's house tonight. It's Palms uh, today. I keep saying tonight. It's Palm Sunday, and uh, we're getting ready for Easter in just a few days to celebrate next week for Easter. This is what most people, a lot of people call Holy Week. This is the time in which we are headed into that Easter Sunday. And so we want to remember the Lord, and we want to remember all that he has done. Next Sunday, we will celebrate Easter. We will celebrate the resurrection. Uh, We will have family uh, communion, as we always do on Easter, and remembering what the Lord has done for us. And it's going to be an exciting day. We we have made cards uh, for you. Uh, They're in groups of five. Take at least five, but if you will, take uh, five more. What we want you to do is uh, use these. Uh, to invite some folks to come worship with us next week. Now, don't give them to people who go to church. Uh, Give them to folks that you know. Invite somebody um, to come to to service next week. Uh, Do you know that Easter holidays, like Easter and Christmas, now, it's not like it used to, but those are Sundays that uh, uh, many people will go to church uh, that they won't go any other time. And I know a lot of people say, well, they just come on Easter and Christmas. Praise God if they come, because if they'll show up, if they'll be on a pew, they'll have the opportunity to hear the gospel, because, you know, I'm going to preach. <laughs> you know, I'm going to preach. Uh, we're going to shout. That's all right, too. We're going to have a good time of the Lord, but most of the time I'm going to preach. They're going to hear the gospel, and so they have an opportunity to, to have a, a talk with Jesus and, and, and offer their lives to him. So invite someone. We'll have these out on the table out there. And uh, uh, Brother Rusty and Sister Wanda will help facilitate that and hand those out for those who will take one and and invite somebody. I mean, you don't even have to say much. Say, I'd like to give you this card and and walk on. (laughs) You know, whatever. But however you got to do it, let's invite some folks to come to church. Don't you know that, that people will come? Do you know there are studies that say that people will come if you'll invite them? They'll come if you'll invite. So let's invite some folks to come to church. You work in a place where everybody around you is heathens, give them a car. Amen. You don't know what they'll do to that car. I don't care. Amen. You know, it might help them. You never know. Them heathens might get saved all because of you. And we, we thank God for the opportunity. Today we're going to start our, our series this morning, a power series. We're going to be talking over the next few Sundays about power of God. And uh, today we're going to talk about actually the power of the cross. I know that it's uh, it's Palm Sunday and there are certain things, and we are going to start actually in the the scripture of uh, the triumphal entry. But uh, today we're going to talk about the power of the cross, the power of the cross, the events of the cross, the things that took place on the cross that is powerful for us and in our lives. Amen. So if you would, I want you to grab your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 21. Once you get there, because some of you are already getting sleepy, so go ahead and stand with me. Amen. Matthew chapter 21. Go ahead and shake yourself. And uh, if you need to, shake your neighbor. Somebody shake Bonnie right quick. She's sitting by herself today, so somebody help her. Elsie, just reach up and pull her hair or something every now and then. Keep her with us. Matthew chapter 21. Matthew 21. It's good to see, uh, see everyone that's with us today. Amen. Amen. We've been missing some of you. And we're glad to see 
Brother Jones, Janet, we missed you last week. We appreciate it. Glad to see you this morning. Matthew 21, verse 1. And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and were come to Bethphage and to the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying, Go into the village over against you, and straightway you shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, you shall say, The Lord hath need of them. Straightway he will send them. And all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, the king cometh unto the meek, and sitteth upon an ass, and a colt, the foal of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the ass and the colt, and put, them on, and put on them their clothes, and they set him thereon, and a very great multitude spread out their garments in the ways. Others cut down branches from the trees, strawed them in the way, and the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Can you say that with me again? Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna in the highest. Father, we love you this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. We love you this morning, and we love your word this morning. Because your word is the power of God and the salvation to them that believe. So, God, I pray that you would help us to believe this morning on your word, that we might be saved, God that we might be changed, that we might be challenged, Lord. God, that we might draw close to you, Father, so you will draw close to us. We need you, God. Lord, you know, I, I have notes, but God, your word is what needs to settle in on our hearts, God. Your word needs to penetrate our hearts, God, that we might be encouraged, Lord, that we might be strengthened, Father. Lord, speak to us by your spirit. Speak to us through your word this morning. Help us to believe that we might be saved. And God, we thank you for all that you're going to do in this place. For it's in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Amen. I was talking to, I was thinking about it, talking to, good to see Timbo. He's been out working for, the, for a while and showed me a picture. He went fishing, took some time. How many of y'all like to fish? Good, good. That way I don't have to. <laughs> I don't care anything about fishing. You know, back home especially, we'd ride down the, riding down the road through the country, you know. Well, all of it was country. <laughs> but riding through the country, you know, you'd see a bridge and you'd see a car. <laughs> you knew what was going on. Somebody was fishing. Timbo was showing me the fish he caught. Amen. I'm just waiting for him to cut it up, lay it, and fry it. That's, that's the only time I, that's the only time I like fish. Somebody, people keep telling me you need a dog, Pastor. I say I don't know how to cook dog. I don't need a dog. I don't do animals. <laughs> Let me preach. Matthew twenty one is uh, is the account. All the gospels pretty much give the account of the coming in, the triumph. What we call the triumphal entry of Jesus coming in, coming in to Jerusalem. He is coming in for the last time. Uh, in this way, he is coming in. He has avoided, not why well, I say avoided, he has been ministering outside of Jerusalem for a while and has 
hindered himself from coming to Jerusalem because he knew that when the time was right, that's when he was to come back into Jerusalem. And the timing was not when they were ready, but the fact that there was something that was going to take place, the crucifixion, the time of the crucifixion. You know, Galatians talks about how when the fullness of time was come, Mary had Jesus. Jesus was born of a virgin. But I believe that everything that Jesus did had a timing. Everything he did had a timing. The beginning of his ministry had a timing. Why didn't he start his ministry early? He had a timing. Earlier, he had timing. He had a, a timing set. This coming into Jerusalem, there was a timing. There was something that was going to take place, and there were some things that need to happen before this took place. But in Matthew 21, as the other gospels state, he came into Jerusalem riding on this donkey. And people began to lay palm trees or palm branches. And they began to lay their coats in the street. The disciples laid their clothes on the donkey so he could ride on them. And as he came into the town, they began to cry out, Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna. Hosanna. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Can we all just say Hosanna again? Hosanna. Hosanna. Well, let's just say it one more time. Hosanna. Hosanna. Psalms 118, verses 19 through 26. The Bible says, Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go into them. And I will praise the Lord, this gate of the Lord into which the righteous shall enter. I will praise thee, for you have heard me and are become my salvation. The stone which the builders refused is become the head of the headstone of the corner. You know who he is, right? His name is Jesus. And this is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. He says in verse 25, Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee. Send now prosperity. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We are blessed you out of the house of the Lord. Why well, read that, Pastor? Because when you get down to verse 25, it's the first two, let, first two words here says, Save now. Save now. Save now. You don't see that in Matthew in those forms, but you see it. You see it. How do you see it? You see it when they say, Hosanna. That's, that's where you see it. That's what Hosanna is. Hosanna is an adoration, an exclamation. It is a form of praise, but it's also a word that means, Oh, save now. Oh, save now. David says this in a prophetic type of way. When he says, Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. Oh, Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Oh, say, oh, say. Can you say that with me? Oh, say. See, when Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, they are shouting out and crying out. And maybe that's, maybe that's what the Pharisees got all in a wad about. Because as he's coming in, they're not just saying, blessed is he or blessed is the king that comes in the name of the Lord. 
But they're crying out, Hosanna, oh, save, oh, save. They're looking for him to do something for them. They're looking for him to do something in their lives, do something in the land. Oh, save. The Pharisees didn't look to him as a savior. He didn't look to him as the one to come and, and bail them out or do anything for them. They looked to destroy them, but the people began to cry out, Oh, save. The only problem is they didn't understand. They couldn't understand true salvation. He was there to save. There was a reason why they needed to cry out, Hosanna, oh, say, blessed is the king that comes in the name of the Lord. Oh, yeah, they were crying it out, but they had their own reasons. They didn't understand. They didn't understand true salvation. They didn't understand true salvation. Many of them were hoping that he would be the one that would cause the people to rise up against the Roman government. Free us. Oh, save us from this oppression. Oh, save us from this oppression. Now, don't think so badly on them in their ignorance. There's a lot of people, even now, that are calling on the Lord for all kind of salvation. Oh, save me from this bank statement. Oh, save me from this car. Oh, save me from this raggedy house and give me another one. Oh, save me from this family trouble. Oh, save me uh, from uh, this uh, sickness, you know. Oh, save me from my problems. Oh, save me from this boss. A lot of people are crying out to the Lord for, for salvation, but they don't understand true salvation. They don't understand what he truly has come to do. Well, Pastor, he can't do all the... Sure he can. God can supply a house. God can supply a car. God can get the house fixed, get the car fixed. God can supply the money. God can heal the bodies. God can do any of that. How many of y'all know that to be true? Because he has done that for you. But they don't understand. He's not there to deliver them from Roman rule. The salvation that he has come to bring them, the stuff that he has come to do in them is far deeper. Amen. Far greater than that. what they're even asking him to do. Hosanna. Hosanna. Oh, save us. Oh, save us now. The salvation that he would bring would come through sacrifice, not a rebellion. Amen. Salvation that he was going to bring would come through sacrifice, not a rebellion. It would come through death. It would come through pain. It would come through suffering. It would come as a lamb to the slaughter. That's where the salvation was going to come from. It wasn't going to come from a coup. It wasn't going to come from a rebellion. It wasn't going to come from a financial institution that he would be involved in. The salvation that he is going to bring is going to come through death, through sacrifice, through suffering, through pain. They didn't understand this salvation that he would bring. They didn't understand that it would come through the death by way of the cross. It would come through death by way of the cross. In fact, in Luke chapter 19, as he's giving this account, the Bible says in 41 through 44, that when he was come near, he beheld the city. The Bible says, and he wept over it. He wept over it, saying, if you had known, even you, and at least in this thy day, this thy day, this is your moment. This is your time. I have waited for this moment to come because this is the timing of the Lord for this to take place in your life. The things which belong unto your peace. The things that are going to bring peace in your life. If you had really known, if you could have understood, if you could have grasped 
this whole thing of what was going to bring peace, but now they're hid from your eyes. For the days shall come upon you that your enemies shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee round about and keep thee in on every side. That was literally, literally going to happen to the city of Jerusalem. And shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee. And they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another. Why? Because you didn't know... You didn't know the time of your visitation. You lacked an understanding about what I'm about to do for you. You're crying out, oh, say, but you don't know what you need as far as salvation is concerned. They didn't understand. So he weeps over the city. The disciples didn't fully get it. Remember the conversation that Peter had with Jesus. Jesus was trying to tell the disciples, I've got to go to Jerusalem before he goes. I've got to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer at their hands, and I'm going to be... uh, crucified and uh, Peter says oh no we're not going to let that happen we're not going to let that happen y'all remember what Jesus said in Matthew 16 the Bible said Jesus turned and he said unto Peter get thee behind me Satan get thee behind me you are an offense unto me you're offense unto me for you savor not the things that be of God but those that be of men Here, here is a man who's been around Jesus all this time watching him and listening to him teach but he's still not he don't get it yet he don't understand he don't understand what's about to happen and why it's about to happen. He, he don't understand the power in what's about to happen. He doesn't fully get it. In fact, in John chapter 12 and verse 16, the Bible said, These things understood not his disciples at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they all, that these things were written of him uh, and that they had done these things unto him. They didn't understand at first, but after he dies and rises from the dead and is glorified, uh, they began to get it. They didn't understand the power that would come to them through his death. That the power that would come to hit them through his death would transcend the overthrowing of governments and the rule of man. That the power of the cross that would change their lives forever and position them to walk in victory. To live as overcomers and to give them eternal life. They did not understand that it wasn't about getting rid of a Roman rule. It was about changing their changing their lives and making them overcomers through him. They didn't understand this death of the cross. They'd been taught of their lives that this death on the cross in that way was for transgressors and for evil people. It's, it's an abomination to be done this way. But they didn't understand the power. Woo, Hallelujah. The power of the events that happened because of the cross and the death of Christ. These people still don't understand. People still don't understand. You know, even in, in, in the disciples' day, after Jesus ascended to heaven, Paul was ministering and he wrote to the Corinthian church. And he says in, in verse chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, verse 17, he says, For Christ sent me not to baptize. You know, they've been having this issue, I'm for Apollos, and I'm for Paul, and I'm for this one. I, just childish, just stupid stuff. You know, church folk, y'all know church folk get involved in stupid stuff sometimes. I know it's offensive to call it stupid because it's attached to what we do sometimes, but it is. It's stupid. We just get caught up in stuff that don't make sense. 
They were saying, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Paul. And Paul says, you know what? At one time, Paul says, I'm glad I didn't baptize a bunch of you. He says, that way you, you wouldn't have an opportunity to say, oh, you know, nothing. <laughs> he says, but Christ didn't send me to baptize. He sent me to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. I didn't come speaking all these fancy words and wisdom and, and, you know, those kinds of things that impress people with my intellect. Because if I did that, it would make the preaching of the cross of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish, to them that continue in their sin, to them that don't want to follow Christ, to them that don't want to believe, the preaching of the cross is foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Sitting around disputing the intellect of man and all the things that we think we know and all the things that we think we have figured out. Where is all of that, he says? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom didn't know God. You can't know him by man's wisdom. You can't even just read the Bible and know him just by reading the Bible. It takes the Spirit of God, a revelation of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah, to help you to know who he is. Well, because wisdom won't do it. Wisdom will not do it. For after that, in wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign. <laughs> and the Greeks seek after wisdom. Oh, hallelujah. I, I listen to some folk sometimes. I even listen to... I, I've even watched some, some of these worship folk. And some folk just so deep, they can't find themselves. <laughs> they just so deep. Or they think they are. Because they're they trying to pull out all this manly wisdom. You know, but they want sometimes. Now listen, I ain't called no names or nothing, so y'all don't, you know. I'm just saying some people trying to mix so much a man's wisdom, you know, a man's knowledge with, with this simplicity of the message of the gospel. We do, I've, I've listened to some preachers and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, what did he just say? <laughs> I mean, I've listened to some of our preachers and, I, and I've, looked at, I've looked at people beside me and said, what? <laughs> what? What just happened? Because people want to mix all this intellect and, but there's a simpleness of the preaching of the gospel. Amen. By the Spirit, being led by the revelation of the Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. The Holy Ghost. Amen. If you need the Holy Ghost word. <laughs> Some people have a hard time with the Spirit. The Holy Ghost, the Spirit. There's this wisdom. Why? Because, you know, the Jews saw the sign and Greeks seek after wisdom. But he said, well, we preach Christ crucified. Unto the Jews is a stumbling block. <laughs> and unto the Greeks, unto the Greeks is foolishness. It doesn't make sense. But unto them, oh hallelujah, but unto them which are called, unto them which are, are you called this morning? 
Now, some of you don't want to raise your hand this morning because you think I'm talking about called to preach. No, if you're saved, if Jesus lives in your heart, you are called. You are the called. Amen. How many of you are called this morning? Amen. I've been saved because he called me out of darkness. Oh, hallelujah, into his marvelous life. He said unto the Jews, he's a stumbling block. Unto the, unto the Greeks, it's preaching of the cross. Amen. It's, it's foolishness. But unto them which are called, if they're Jews, if they're Greeks, if they're Africans, if they're Americans, if they're, if they're oh, hallelujah, whatever they are. Unto those who are called, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. This preaching of the cross. In fact, in Romans chapter 1, it talked about the, Paul talked about the gospel and said this. He said, I'm not ashamed of it. He said, because it is the power of God unto salvation to them that believe. We're going to talk about the power of the gospel later on. But today we cry out as they did this day. They did that day. Jesus came riding into Jerusalem. Hosanna. Hosanna. Come on and say it with me. Hosanna. Hosanna. We cry out today, oh, save us. Oh, save us. Oh, save us. We need the power of the cross at work today in us. We need the power of the cross at work in us, the things that happened on the cross. I was, I was doing a devotion this week by Lisa Singh Devante. She wrote this, the staggering truth about the cross is that while many wear it as a symbol of identity, the power resident in the finished work of the cross is not known. Did you hear what I said? She said, though many people wear the cross as a symbol of identity, they want to be known as a believer, as a Christian. You know, I follow Jesus. I, lo I love Jesus. But the power, the power resident in the finished work of the cross is not known to them. And therefore, it's not manifested in the lives of the very ones who display it publicly. That's why if you watch some of these award shows for music, and you see some of these who, or, or even actors, and you see some of these folks who, uh, and it doesn't happen as much as it used to, because, you know, Christianity, open, good, holy Christianity is not, you know, real popular. Uh, but everybody's truth and everybody's form of Jesus is, you'll notice some of them will say things like, I want to thank the, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But then if you go listen to their, or try to listen to their music, um, you won't get very far because of the language that they use and the stuff they talk about. Come on now, come on, come on. Sleeping with this one and sleeping with that one and drinking with this one and drinking with that and drunk and partying and, and, uh, and uh, get, you know, just all kind of stuff in their songs. Or you watch them in some of their movies and some of the things that they do. I know it's a job, but some of the stuff that they do in their movies and, and the way they live in their life, 
you know, shacking up with this one and shack. Nobody wants to get married anymore. Nobody wants to go through those, those commitments anymore. You know, you look and watch their lives. They got the cross hanging around their neck, but the manifestation of the power of the cross is not in their life. It's not in how they live. It's not in how they talk. It's not in how they walk. Listen, it's not just the people in the world sometimes. We have crosses in our churches. We put a cross up at Easter time. We don't wear a cross. People get a cross tattooed on their arm or on their hand or on their wrist or somewhere on their body because they want the identity of the cross. But the fact of the matter is there is a power in the cross that must be manifested in the life of a person who is going to identify with the cross itself. Many people today look, she said, at the cross as a symbol of Christianity. So they assume that if someone is wearing a cross as jewelry or has a cross tattooed or that the person belongs to the Christian faith when they see that. We see crosses as the backdrop of many church stages or in the house. You know, some folks don't even, they don't even identify with the cross much anymore. It's, it's all about, now listen, we don't have, you know, big old cross, but... You know, we have it in places, and we preach it, and, you know, but now it's, it's all about, and I'm not, listen, I'm not against these things if you want to use them. It's all about lice and smoke and productions and, and feel good. And again, I'm not against any of that stuff. I'm, I'm not. I've done youth retreats. We've had lice and smoke and, you know, but we focus on the word. Because, see, all of it's got to match up. You can throw some lights up and dim the house lights if you want to and throw some smoke out. I'm not talking about cigarettes. I'm talking about fog smoke out on the out on the You can do all that if you want to, but when you stand there, you better be preaching something. You better be singing something. And on top of it, you better be living it when you get off. Because, see, there's the power of the cross that must be lived in our lives and must be not just sung and preached, but it's got, and not just worn or not just put on us, but it's got to be lived out in our, in our daily lives. And so what has happened is that people identify those who wear the cross as, a, as, as Christians, but the, the power of the cross has got to be manifested in us. Amen. We, we have made weak the cross in today's culture because many people and even churches who bet, now this is me talking, and, or the spirit, <laughs> we, have, we have made weak the cross in today's culture because many people and even churches who bear the symbol do not bear the fruit of its power in their lives. What, is truly, what it truly represents, to really see it for what it truly means cuts us to the core of our flesh because the power and the meaning of the cross is unrepentant in its call to death. Death to the flesh, death to sin, death to self, death to the grips of death itself in eternal life. Hallelujah. There's power in the cross, and it makes us cringe and cuss us to the core because it represents a death that must happen in our flesh. The power of the cross. Also, we can experience this power, and power for what? What does it have power for? Number one, it has power for forgiveness. How many of you believe and know we need forgiveness? Amen? Amen. I'm st- I still need it. Thankful I was saved. Six years old, gave my heart to the Lord, but I'm, I'm 46. 
be 47 next Sunday. Don't forget. Just kidding. Party tonight, weather permitting. I still need forgiveness. I still need forgiveness. Isaiah chapter 53, famous, famous verses that we know. Verse 5, but he was wounded for our what? Transgressions. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our what? The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Amen. We have turned, every, every one of us has turned to our own way at times in our lives. And the Lord has laid on him, laid on Christ through this, through this suffering of the cross. Uh, he has laid on him the what? Iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he didn't open his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. So openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it what pleased the Lord to bruise him. He had put him to grief. When you shall make his soul an offering for what? Sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. This thing that Christ had to go through was ordained of the Lord because Jesus was the only one who could do it. He's the only one who could bear the sin in his life. In fact, Hebrews says this. Go to Hebrews for me. Uh, he says, for the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers there unto perfect. Hang on, I'll come back to it and help you with that. For the law having a shadow of good things. No, 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 keep going. I'm sorry. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers there unto perfect. Keep going. For then would they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins? But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. Why? Because it's not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Keep going. Was that the last in that section? No, no, no. Go back to three. So here we go. Here we go. There had to be a sacrifice because that was the way it was always, that's the way it always was. For you to get forgiveness of your sins, there had to be a sacrifice. Why? Because it had to be a blood sacrifice. You had to shed the blood so that you could get forgiveness of your sins. But what Hebrews says is, we did that, but it was not perfect. It was not perfect. Why? Because the blood of bulls and goats could not possibly take away sin, sin like that. It's just temporary. They would have to keep coming. He said if it could do that, he said, if it could do that, then they would kill one goat or one bull or one lamb. They, could, they would kill it, and they wouldn't have to kill anymore. He said, but it don't work that way. That's why they had to keep coming. It wouldn't make the comer therefore perfect. They had to keep coming and sacrificing the lambs and the goats all the time, every year. They had to keep doing that. Why? Because there has to be a sacrifice. There has to be a death. There has to be a shedding of blood. That's where forgiveness of sin comes in. But Hebrews said this in verse 12. 
He says, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. He had to keep coming back and forth with these bulls and the goats. But see, this death that he did on the cross, that's the power in the cross. Not the cross itself. There is no power in this cross. Please don't come and pray to this cross. There's no power in this cross. We're talking about what happened on this cross. Jesus gave his life as a sacrifice, shed his blood. The blood of Christ is what makes us perfect. The blood of Christ is what... I know y'all don't like that word, but hey, there it is. The blood of Christ is what makes us forgiven. We have forgiveness of our sins through the blood of Jesus Christ. That only happened because he was nailed to a cross. The power of the cross that we have here first is in the forgiveness of, the, of sin. And the thing about it is Christ gave his life, and we can continue without sin. People think that you can't live without sin. Well, i got to sin every day. You know what? That's a bunch of hogwash. You don't have to. None of us have to sin every day. I am thankful that I do fail the Lord. I am thankful. I'm not thankful for failing the Lord. I am thankful that sometimes I do fail the Lord. Sometimes I do. Come on now. Amen. I do sin. I, you know, sometimes I'm not, I don't do right. Why? Because I'm still resting in my imperfection. But I don't have to live that way. With every choice that I make, there is power through the forgiveness of sins on the cross of Calvary to live right. I can make right choices in Him. But through the power of the cross, what happened on the cross, there is forgiveness. There is forgiveness for sins. And I'm telling you, that's the only way you're going to get forgiveness. It's, it's the only way you can get forgiveness. That, that counts. That matters. That, that counts. It matters. Because there's power in the cross for forgiveness. Because he shed his blood. How many of you believe that this morning? Say amen. I believe that. But then, and I didn't even mean to go here, but as I was moving through this message... That last scripture in Hebrews 10. By one offering, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Now, we don't like to talk about being sanctified. But the power of sanctification rests here. It rests here. Through what Christ did by dying on the cross. Being sanctified. The blood of Jesus at work in us to set us apart and to keep us. To set us apart and to keep us. To set us apart and to keep us. When we talk about being sanctified or living that sanctified life, we're talking about allowing the power of the cross. And, and again, we're still talking about the blood and the suffering and the, you know, the death and all that happened. When we talk about living a sanctified life, we're talking about living it through the power of what he has already done. The blood of Jesus cleansing us, washing us, and setting us apart. That's what sanctification is. Setting us apart. No longer, no longer do I live for myself. No longer do I live for others. I live for him. I belong to him. I am his. I have made a commitment to him that he and I, we're going to be one. We're working on it. We're going to be one. I'm going to live right. I'm sanctified. I'm set apart. And, and it's through the power of what he has done and through the power of sanctification that helps us to live right. Just recently, I was talking to someone about 
about being sanctified. And remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about the superfluity of naughtiness. Remember? And I talked about superfluity, meaning that residue that's left behind. And, and, and James says, we want to we wanna get rid of that. Well, how do we get rid of that? We've got to go. It's right here. It's right here through the power of what Jesus has already done to, to overcome that residue of that stuff in the past that wants to drag us back to the life of the past. Sanctification is that power in us, working in us, amen, through what Jesus has done on the cross to live right and to make right decisions. That's what I was talking about earlier. People just want to say about how we, how we got to sin. But listen, he wants to give us power to be able to say no and to live right and to walk right and to talk right through that sanctified life. It comes through the power of the, of the cross and what Jesus has done. I want you to listen to me. And I never, I don't think I thought about it till, till, till just recently when I was looking at this. Remember the scripture. Go to that next scripture, Matthew. I believe it's Matthew 16, maybe, and 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Anybody ever read anything like that? Y'all, I preached on that, haven't I? Okay, so this is, this is the thing. We know that the cross means self-denial and surrender. We know that. That's one, that's one of the reasons why we have to take, we take up our cross. We take up our cross, which means we have to die, that we have to surrender. We have to surrender. But the taking up of the cross is important to us because the cross, even though we're bearing our own death, we're bearing our own sacrifice and giving of ourselves and surrendering, the cross is a symbol reminding us of what he has already done. The finished work of the cross. When people say you can't live a sanctified life, they don't believe in the finished work of the cross. The power of the cross. When we talk about taking up our cross, we're talking about taking up that that has the power to help us to live right. Because it reminds us of what he did. What did he do? He lived a life that was sinless. He lived a lot. Now, listen, again, I know we're going to fail sometimes. I know we, I say we're going to. I know we may fail. I know we may mess up. But we don't continue in that. We, we ask the Lord to forgive us. We ask the Lord to sanctify us. We ask the Lord to continue to help us to live that sanctified life. But when we take up the cross every day, it's a reminder to us and it's a power at, li at, at, at life in us, living in us, to help us to live the way that Christ wants us to live. One of the reasons why people have a hard time with sanctification is because they don't want to give up their selves. They don't want to give up who they are and their identity and their habits and their this and they're that. And people are confused because they think they've got to do all that on their own in order to be sanctified. That's not right. You ask the Lord to sanctify you, take up that cross, and then it'll help you to lay down those cigarettes or give up that beer or quit cussing or quit uh, running around or quit doing this. Come on, folks. Come on, folks. It's the power of the cross at work in us, sanctifying us. That's, that's, that's what's going to help us. That, that's what's going to help us. Because we, we don't have the ability to be able to do those things. But that's what sanctification is for. Take up that cross, reminding us what Christ has done for us through submission and surrender. It's in, within the cross, there's the power for freedom. Through the power of the cross, the power of the cross is in the sacrifice that was on it in Jesus. He is our freedom. 
Think about the two thieves that were on the cross. Both of them had an opportunity. Only one took advantage. One continued in his sin. Rebellious would not. Don't be that, that, that thief. Please don't be that thief. Don't be that thief. Don't be that one that has the opportunity for a change in your life, for salvation, for freedom, and continue in your sin. They both had the opportunity, but only one. Only one. In fact, the one said, leave him alone. We deserve this death. He's done nothing. And then he turns to Jesus in his death, in his dying. and says, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. Jesus said, this day, you'll be with me in paradise. Now, listen, he didn't come swinging off that cross then. The thief didn't come, you know, this day you'll be with me in paradise. Boom, off the cross and back to, back to business. No. Because the freedom that Jesus offers transcends that cross he was on, transcends that chain that he was in. Amen. The freedom that he offers, though he's still in pain and though he's about to die a physical death, there's a freedom in his spirit. There's something that happened in his spirit, I believe. I believe it. There's something that happened in his spirit that very moment. That set off a freedom in his mind and in his heart like that man had never experienced before. Why? Because Jesus was at work at him even through the cross. Why? Because that's where we get our freedom from. Because he was willing to suffer that kind of death, we have the freedom that we can live daily. Amen. Both had an opportunity, one received. Receive what? That freedom. Yes, even on the cross. This day you'll be with me in paradise. Why? Because Jesus said, if the Son therefore shall make you free, no matter where you're at, in the slum, in the ghetto, in the projects, in a mansion, on Wall Street, wherever you are, and whatever's going on in your life, if you trust him in the power of the cross in your life and receive the blood of Jesus. He will set you free. And he that the sons makes free shall be free. What? Indeed. Every bit of it. Every bit of it. Freedom. It's powerful freedom. Do you have time for one more? We don't have time for all of them. One more. There's power for healing. In the cross. Isaiah 53. Who has believed our report? Have you ever received a report from a doctor? I got a text before we left the before I left the house. Thursday, no, Wednesday evening. I come back to church. Friend of ours, some some that some of you know that attends the church at Central, who has received a report that is unfavorable. In fact, She's been given two months. Two months. Have you ever received a report and thought to yourself, how can this be? Isaiah said, who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? I know there's a report of man, but I believe there's a report of the Lord. 
And who is going to believe that report? Does that mean nobody's going to die? Does that mean nobody's going to be sick? No. But I believe we've been believing too many reports. Too many reports. And why? Because there's, there's power in the events of the cross to bring healing. He said, for he shall grow up before him, talking about Christ as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty in him that we should desire him. He is despised. He's rejected of men. He is a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We have hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Help me finish it. And with his stripes, we are healed. With his stripes, we are healed. Peter writes it this way. Go to that last set of scriptures. For even hereunto were you called. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was God found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he didn't threaten back, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you what? Were healed. I love it. Isaiah said you are healed. Peter said you were healed. Woo! Come on, saints. I know it, it may seem like semantics to some folks, but it's not really when you read it right. Isaiah said, you are healed by what he's going to do. Peter said, it's already been done. Because Jesus took the trip to the cross, going by way of lashings and stripes put on him. The stripes were given to him so that we were healed at that moment. He's already laid out through the power of the cross the healing that needs to take place in our bodies. We were healed. Again, I know there are reports, and I know we're all going to die. But I think we believe too many reports. When there's a healing that's been set forth. There's a healing. And listen, can I just say this? Not just for our bodies. Some of you need a healing for your body. We're praying and believing. We're just going to keep praying and believing. Amen. Praying and believing. For what God's going to do. But I believe the Lord wants to heal some of our minds. I told a church just, just recently. It might have been our church. I don't know. I've preached in places here lately. I said, I, dysfunctional people that go to church. Dysfunctional because of all the things that's gone on in their lives that has just messed up their heads. So they, they're dysfunctional. They don't know how to do family. They don't know how to do church. They don't know how to socialize. They just don't know how to deal with people because they're dysfunctional. Because of all this mess that's happened in their lives. But there's a healing I believe, that's been laid on, on Christ by way of the cross where he can heal your mind of some of those hurts and some of those failures and some of those things that people have done to you so you can move on in life and help somebody else. There's things that some of you deal with and things that, have you ever felt like you was going crazy? I mean, really. Have you ever got to that place where you just, you were almost in a panic? 
because of the thoughts and the feelings and the stuff that you were going through in your life. I believe the Lord wants to heal us. There's stripes have been laid on Jesus to heal us of that kind. Woo! Hallelujah! Heal us of that kind of stuff. Amen. Amen. I'm not telling you to stop taking your medication. I'm not telling you to stop going to the doctor. But I am going to tell you this. There are some stripes laid on Christ who hung on this cross. And by the way of the cross, there is power to bring healing to your heart, your body, and your mind. And somebody's got to believe it if it's going to happen for us. Amen. We can be sick and die, or we can believe and be healed. The Lord wants to do a work in us. And there's power in the cross. There's power in the cross. And though many have weakened the power of the cross through their lifestyle. You and I have weakened the power of the cross in us through our lifestyle sometimes. We have. The way we've lived, the way we've acted, the way we've talked. We weaken the power of the cross in us when we live that way. We weaken it through our lifestyle of compromise and conformity to this world by bearing the symbol got the symbol. I got all kinds of stuff on me. But it ain't what it ain't what you wear. It's not what you ink. It's not even what you say. It's what you do. How you live. And we weaken the power of the cross. We bear the symbol, but we have, we have got to return to the life-changing, mind-altering, healing, freedom-giving power of the cross. The preaching of the cross is foolishness to some people. But for those of us who are called, it's the power of God. And we have got to live that way. It's the power of God. Can I give you an example? Just a quick example, because I'm done. There are people in your life who are messed up. Messed up. Done all you know how to do. You don't even know what's going to help them. I'm telling you what's going to help them. Not this one, but what it represents. Calvary. It is finished. It has been done. It's over. It's done. It's done. It's done. It's over. The people in your life that are messed up, the people in your house that's messed up, do you know what needs to happen? You need the preaching of the cross at your house. And I don't mean you got to walk around, oh, the blood of Jesus. Huh? Well, sometimes you do. Amen. you got to do it whatever way you can. When they leave the house, walk through their room. I declare the power of the cross and what Jesus has done for my children. I declare it here and now. It is finished. It is done. They are not going to have these issues anymore. The preaching of the cross. The sharing of the cross. Honey, I don't know what you're going to do, but I know what Jesus did. Jesus died on the cross and bore stripes for you. Well, Mama, you keep telling me that. Honey, keep telling them that. Daddy, keep telling them that. we got to keep the cross in the hearts. Why? Because the preaching of the cross is the power of God. To those of us who are called, it's the power of God. To those of us who are called. And it's going to be the foolishness. It's going to be foolishness to some, some folks. 
They're not going to understand it. They're not going to, they're not going to get it. They don't have to get it. You just got to preach it. You just got to keep preaching it. You got to keep saying it. You got to keep preaching it in your own life. When you start panicking, you declare the power of the cross of what Jesus has done for me is my peace. When you start worrying, you start preaching the cross to yourself. When you start feeling those pains in your body, you start preaching the cross to your body. Come on, saints. Oh, that's that old-time crazy stuff. Praise God for old-time crazy stuff. Because foolishness is what the cross, preaching on the cross says to people. But to us, it should never be. Because he has died and paid the price. I want you to stand all over this building if you would.